Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Well, at this time, I am privileged and honored to introduce one of my good friends from Bible College, um, Brother Ed Loney. He serves down in, uh, in uh, um, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, at a church there uh, as the youth director, and also has his own daycare business that he manages and operates and owns. And so y'all pray for him as he comes at this time to preach a message that God has laid on his heart. Amen. Well, it's a blessing to be back here with you this year. I think the last time I was here was the year before last, if I'm not mistaken, and um, I enjoyed my time that year, so I'm ex- I was excited when uh, Pastor Brian extended the invitation for me to come back this year, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord would have for us uh, this week. If you have your Bibles, we go to Psalm 51, Psalm 51. Now, a lot has changed since the last time I was here. I did get married, hallelujah. Next month will make a year for us, May 6th. We'll be married for one full year. And my wife, she is from Bahamas, born and raised in Bahamas. So I have a Bahama mama, all right? (laughs) Born and raised. So it is true. I literally had to leave the country to find a girl that would agree to marry me. I had to leave the country. But it was worth the trip, all right? But uh, unfortunately, she wasn't able to make the trip with me. And this is actually the first trip uh, that she hasn't been able to make with me since I've been out preaching. Uh, Just some things popped up that we couldn't foresee, and she just wasn't able to make it. Uh, But she really wanted to be here. But hopefully, when I come back again, she'll be able to be here and accompany with me on this trip. But Psalm 51, if you're there, would you say amen? Amen. We are going to read the whole chapter, all right? Are you ready? Psalm 51. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, and a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. 
Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for being so good and kind to us. God, we thank you for giving us another opportunity where we can be here in your house this morning. God, there's just something special about being in your house, around your people, looking into your word. God, we ask you this morning that you will meet with us in a special way. God, I pray that we would not leave here the same way that we came. God, I ask that you'll place your hand upon me as I preach. God, I don't want to say anything that does not need to be said. But God, at the same time, I don't want to leave anything out either. So God, I'm needing you to speak through me, empty me of myself, and fill me with your spirit. God, I pray you be my church family as they're meeting at, at this time right now. God, I pray you place your hand upon my pastor as he's preaching. And God, will give you all the praise and honor for it. your name we do pray. Amen. We know that Psalm 51 is a psalm of King David. We have to remember that David was God's choice for the nation of Israel to be king. Initially, we know that the people chose Saul and Saul disobeyed God and Saul, he rejected God. And since Saul rejected God, God rejected him from being the king of the nation of Israel. And God made it known to the people that he was going to find a man that was after his own heart. Acts chapter number 13 and verse number 22 the Bible tells us that God said, I have found David, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. It is important for us to remember that it was not Saul that chose David. It was not Jesse that chose David. It was not Samuel that chose David. But David was God's choice for the nation of Israel. This is not the essence of the message this morning, but God's choice is always best. David was a good king. David, he was a godly king. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 13 that David was a man that served his generation. David was a hero in his day from the time that David killed Goliath to the time that David literally walked into another nation and took a man's crown off of his head and put it on his own head. They would chant in the streets that David, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. David was a man that had been on great mountaintops throughout his life. But as we read Psalm chapter number 51, David is not on a mountaintop right here. In Psalm chapter 51, David is in a valley. And though he was in a mountaintop on his physical life, but in his spiritual life, he's in a valley. How many of you know that even though you can be doing well physically, that does not mean you're doing well spiritually? You can have a nice house, you can have a good job, you can have a good car, you can be doing very well physically, but that does not mean that you are doing well, well spiritually. See, as we're reading Psalm 51, we are listening to a prayer of David, and David is letting us know that he's gotten his hands dirty. David has gotten his heart dirty, and David has found himself, the king that God chose has now found himself in sin. In 2 Samuel chapter number 11, David is in a place that he should not have been. All the other men have gone off to battle, but the Bible says that David, he tarried still, and Jerusalem. David is in a place that he should not have been. And if you find yourself in a place that you should not be, don't be surprised when you're doing things that you should not do. So David is in a place that he should not been, uh, should not have been. And all the other men are off at battle. And David, he normally goes off to battle as he's done many times before, but he tarried still in Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that David he saw a woman while he was there. He goes out to the rooftop and in 2 Samuel, the Bible tells us that he saw Bathsheba. She was bathing. And the Bible says not only did he see her, but he began to inquire about her. Can I tell you this morning that there is always an inquiry of sin before there is an indulgence of sin. Sin is not an accident. Sin is not a mistake. 
Oftentimes we say, I can't believe that person fell into sin as if they're just walking and they just tripped. And oh, my goodness, they fell into sin. No, no, no. Sin is a choice. Before there is an indulgence of sin, there is always an inquiry of sin. David was trying to find out who is this woman. And they told him blatantly that this is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. So before he's indulging in sin, he is inquiring about the woman. But not only that, he is ignoring all of the warnings that there is not one person that has ever sinned before that did not ignore the warnings. You know, when I'm listening to Bible preaching and I'm reading my Bible and I'm going to Sunday school and I'm seeking out godly counsel, you know what I'm getting constantly? I'm getting warnings. I'm getting warnings. I'm getting warnings from the word of God. I'm getting warnings from the man of God. If you're saved this morning, you get warnings from the spirit of God. Sin is a conscience choice. So David, he was ignoring all the warnings. I don't care where you are this morning, regardless, you may be a teenager, you may be single, you may be married, you may be a parent, you may be a grandparent. One thing we have to make sure that we do not do in our Christian life is ignore the warnings that God is giving us. David, King David now, he is ignoring all the warnings. So it should not surprise us that he is now indulging in wrongdoing. David took the wife of Uriah. Bathsheba sends word to David that she is now pregnant. So David comes up with a plan to manipulate. He calls Uriah home from battle, and he is anticipating that Uriah will go into his wife, but Uriah did not go into his wife. Uriah, he is a, a godly man. Uriah is a loyal man. Uriah, if the Bible did not say itself that David was a man after God's own heart, I would personally think Uriah was. If the Bible did not tell me that it was David, I would think that it was Uriah. Uriah was so loyal that he would not even go in unto his wife into his own house because he did not think it was right for him to be at ease while the other men of Israel were in battle. David was a man that was loyal to the Lord. He says, I cannot go into my wife. The ark is gone. You, you want me to be at ease when God is not in his rightful place in the nation of Israel. I can't go into my wife because Israel is sleeping in tents. All my other soldiers, they're sleeping in tents, and you want me to be at ease in my own. I said, I can't do it. He, he was loyal not just to the Lord. He was loyal not just to his land, but he was loyal to the leader of the land. He, said, he says to David now, David, I will not do this thing. I will not go into my wife as long as you live. And get this now, as long as thou, thy soul shall live. Uriah says, David, I am loyal to you while you're living, but even when you die, I'm still loyal to you. David has a problem now because Uriah is so loyal that David's plan to manipulate the situation isn't going to work. So he goes from a plan to manipulate and now he's literally plotting to murder him. Can I, can I just tell you this, that sin will make you stoop very low. When you start indulging in sin and you start living a lifestyle of sin, you'll find yourself doing things you never thought you'd do, going places you never thought you'd go, saying things you never thought you'd say. David went from taking a man's wife to now he is attempting to have this man killed. Well, now, let me tell you how low he stoops. David calls Uriah home, calls, calls for Joab, and writes a letter and gives the note to Uriah to take to Joab. So get this now, Uriah is literally carrying his own death certificate. King David gives this to Uriah to take to Joab, and in the letter it says, put Uriah in the hottest part of the battle, and as soon as the battle gets hot, I want you to pull back. And Uriah is carrying his own death sentence. Look, this could not have been us. Some of us, we're too nosy. <laughs> 
as soon as the king would have given us the letter, we would, let me see what this thing said. We would have held up to put Uriah in the hottest part of the Oh, no. He, no, Joab ain't getting this one. <laughs> so Uriah is carrying his own death sentence to Joab. Joab gets the letter and Joab puts Uriah in the hottest part of the battle and he pulls the men back. Men begin to die and Uriah dies. They send word back to David. David had a plan only for Uriah to die. He didn't want other men to die. So the men are afraid to go and tell King David that other men died. So they tell him to put the king at ease. Just be sure that you tell him that when the other men died, that Uriah, your servant, he died also. They remind themselves that one time we were, we were in battle and we got too close to the wall. And this is a true story now. It's in the Bible. We got too close to the wall and a woman picked up a stone, threw the stone over the wall, and it hit one of our men in the head and killed him. <laughs> yeah, it's in there. <laughs> it hit him in the head and it killed him. And King David, he was angry and he was upset with them. So they told him, they're rehearsing, when you tell the king that we lost some men today, be sure that you tell him, Uriah, your servant, he died also. So when they reported to the king that we lost some men in battle today, the king was not even grieved because he knew that Uriah died. His plan seemed to work. He responded with this. Don't be displeased. The sword devoured one man as well as another. He's not angry like he was in previous times. So David took a man's wife. The woman became pregnant. David had him killed. And now David marries Bathsheba. And the Bible tells us that the thing that David did, it displeased the Lord. King David has now gotten his hands dirty. King David has now gotten his heart dirty. King David has now found himself living in sin. But one thing that I like about King David is when he got his hands dirty, when he got his heart dirty, when he found himself living in sin, he had a desire for God to clean him. Can I ask you a question this morning? When sin gets on you, what's your desire? Some of us, when sin gets on us, we want to hide it and then we hope the preacher doesn't find out and we hope pastor doesn't find out and we hope our wife or our husband doesn't find out. But when sin got on King David, King David said, God, I need you to clean me. When we're reading throughout this story, this chapter in chapter 51, we read things like this. In verse number two, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We read in verse number seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We read in verse number 10, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, O God. I can hear David's heart crying out in Psalm 51. God, I need you to wash me. God, I need you to clean me. God, I need you to purge me. God, I need you to give me a clean heart. God, I've gotten my hands dirty and I've gotten my heart dirty. And one thing I desperately want, God, is for you to clean me. Can I tell you this morning that we're living in a generation where sin has become trendy. Sin has become stylish. Sin, sin has become popular. Sin has become a fashion. And it appears now that it's right to do wrong and it's wrong to do right. But even though that we are living in a society that has become dirty, a society, society that has gotten its hands dirty and its heart dirty, God still has a desire for his children to be clean. We laugh at sin. We mock at sin. We joke about sin. It appears now that sin is no longer that big of a deal. But can I tell you this morning that sin is still a big deal to God. And though we may laugh at sin, God's not laughing at it. If we ever get to the point to where we get sin on us, 
We need to make the same prayer that David made. God, can you wash me? God, can you clean me? God, can you purge me? God, can you create in me a clean heart? Oh, God. People, people think we're crazy sometimes when we're dealing with teenagers that we don't want teenagers being involved in sexual activity before marriage. And they, they think we're crazy, but it really comes down to this. We just want them to be clean. They, they think we're crazy because we don't want our young people tasting alcohol and we don't want them to live a, a life of drunkenness. They think we're crazy, but we just want them to be clean. They, they, we, they think we're crazy because we want them to live a life of purity and a life of morality. We want them to live by the word of God. But it really comes down to this. We want them to be clean. And I can echo David's prayer this morning. God, simply this. I just want to be clean. Just, just, just for a few moments, I want to preach to you on this thought. I just want to be clean. Would you notice with me firstly the power and the condemnation of sin? The power and the condemnation of sin. Sin is a very powerful thing. If we aren't careful, we will indulge in sin and we'll get so used to it. And we'll get so used to it that it no longer bothers us anymore. Look, look now, we'll get comfortable being dirty. Have you ever been around someone who was dirty and everyone knew it but them? <laughs> I, 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 grew up, I grew up playing um, basketball. I played basketball from the time I was in a boys and girls club all the way through college. And when we're on our college basketball trips, it was common when you're on a road trip, all right, when you're on a road trip, you go and play the game, and it's something now. The van is clean on the way to the game. Yeah, it's clean on the way to the game. But on the way back, you got a group of men that just finished playing the game. The van is not going to smell like it smelled on the way to the game. So we had a common practice that I think is a good practice. After the game, everyone showers. <laughs> now, if there was a guy on the team that skipped the shower, we knew it. <laughs> Here it is now. Look, just to be blunt, he was thinking, all right? We knew he was thinking, stinking. Everyone knew he was thinking, look now, but him. Everyone knew he was thinking, but him. You know why? He got used to being dirty. You know, you can't smell your own breath. <laughs> look, if we aren't careful, it'll get like that with sin. We'll get so used to being around sin, we'll get so used to having sin on us that it no longer bothers us that we're dirty in the sight of God. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm a pro at this. When, when something breaks around me, I don't get it fixed immediately. I just learn how to use it while it's broken. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really broken, it just works differently now. <laughs> and my, I, used to have a, I used to have an older car, and when I, get it, when I used to get into the car, the AC, it used to just tick all the time. Tick, 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 tick. It was so annoying. It was my climate control. So when I sit in the car, I knew that if it's hot, I have to put it on heat, and when it stops ticking, I gotta put it back up to cold, and then it'll blow cold. <laughs> if it's cold, I gotta put it on cold, and when it stops ticking, I put it back down to heat, and then it'll blow hot. No need to pay $300 to get it fixed. I learned how to work it a different way. Now, one thing I've learned after all, I almost been married one year, all right? One thing I've learned, ladies don't like that, all right? They want you to just go ahead and get it fixed, all right? But me, I can learn a different way to use it. If we aren't careful, we'll get like that with sin. We'll just get so used to being dirty, and we'll just figure out a way to live the Christian life while we're dirty. 
We, we'll figure out a way to live broken. We, we'll try to figure out a way to serve God and still be in sin, to be in church but still be in the world, and we'll try to figure out how to make this thing work. But in the eyes of God, we're still dirty if we're living in sin. The power and the condemnation of sin. Would you notice the, the, the nature of sin? The nature of sin. Look at verse number five. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity. Watch this now. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Here David is basically saying, God, I was born with something inside of me. My nature. Did you know we're not sinners because we've sinned? We sin because we're sinners. Brother Pastor Brian was just preaching, teaching through the book of Romans. Romans 5, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and so death by sin, and death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Romans 3, 20, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. If you are here this morning, you have a sinful nature that is living inside of you. Amen. Hear me, hear me well. Any man is capable of doing anything that any man has ever done. I'll say it again. Any man is capable of doing anything that any man has ever done. Be very careful when you say things like, I would never do that. Be careful. Right. You, you have the same nature as that man has. Right. It is a sinful nature. We have something on the inside of us that is constantly pulling us to do wrong. Constantly pulling us to go contrary to God. Constantly pulling us to sin. And we have to get something else on the inside of us that can go at war with our sinful nature. And at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And now the Holy Spirit can go at war with your sinful nature. You ever wonder why? Let me ask you this question. Is God the Father? Is he holy? Is God the Son? Is he holy? Is the Spirit holy? So why do we only say Holy Spirit? Why don't we say Holy Father? Why don't we say Holy Son? And why don't we say Holy, Holy Spirit? You know why? Because it is the spirit of God that lives inside of you that aids you in accessing the holiness of God. It is constantly pulling you towards God's holiness. So when you're living with the sinful nature inside of you, you have to get the Holy Spirit inside of you to harness that nature. If you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're saved, you do not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Your sinful nature is a ticking time bomb waiting to blow. It is not a matter of if. But when? Because you have nothing inside of you to war with that sinful nature. The sinful nature. But he didn't just stop there. He even talked about sin that was nurtured. His sinful nature and then sin that was nurtured. Notice the first part of verse number five. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin that my mother could see me. Look, David says, God, I not only, not only acknowledge my sinful nature, but God, I realize that there's some sin in my life that I have nurtured. This thing, this thing was shaping. I look, I, I've groomed it. Look, if you're saved this morning, you can't blame everything on your sinful nature. There's some sin in our life that we've nurtured. And there, there have been many, especially young people that grew up in church and they got saved at a young age. There are some adults who are battling the same sins now that they were battling when they were teenagers. You know why? They have nurtured their sin. What, what, what am I saying here? There are some of us who know we know better. We just won't do better. So it's not just our sinful nature. We're choosing and we're nurturing our sin. When we get to that point, you know what we need? We need God to wash us. We, we need God to clean us. 
We, we need God to purge us. We need to be clean in the sight of God. The power and the condemnation of sin. The prayer and communication with the Savior. The prayer and communication with the Savior. The first prayer a believer should make who is living in sin is a prayer of confession. Do you remember the tabernacle in the Old Testament? When you went into the tabernacle, the tabernacle was a temporary dwelling place for the presence of God. The first thing you saw when you went into the tabernacle was what? The laver. First you saw the altar, then you saw the laver. And look now, the laver, you know the whole purpose of the laver? The whole purpose of the laver was for cleansing. You know why? Because you are about to go into the presence of God. And you cannot come into the presence of God any way you want to come. If you are going to come into the presence of God, you must come clean. You remember when David was rushing over to that burning bush and God stopped and said, hold on, David. You can't come over here. Take off your shoes because the place that you're standing on is holy ground. You can't come in here any kind of way you want. I, I was reading. I was just talking about this book last night with Brother Brian. When I was a teenager, I was reading a devotional book called My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers. And he made a statement in that book that just stood out to me, and I never forgot it. He said this, if you have not removed something from your life, you being in the presence of God is questionable. He said, if you have not removed something from your life, you being in the presence of God is questionable. You know why? Because we can't go into his presence any way that we want. The prayer and communication, notice he's acknowledging his sin. Look at verse number three. For I acknowledge my sin, excuse me, for I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. If we're ever going to get clean, we have to be real with God. Look, look, I'm, I'm not coming to God to be seen by men. I'm not coming to God to be noticed. I'm not coming to God so somebody can pat me on the back. I'm coming to God to get clean. And we know that First John tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to do what now? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no sin in your life that you'll tell God and it'll shock him. God's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're doing that. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you said that. No, God, he already knows. He wants to clean you, but you cannot receive a cleansing until you request it. He acknowledged his sin. Notice how he acknowledged his sin. His acknowledgement was very precise. It was very precise. We won't go through all of it, but let me just tell you some of the things that David called his sin. Transgressions, iniquity, sin, evil, blood guiltiness. Can I ask you a question? When sin gets on us, what do we call it? Mistake. Accident. Oops. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> like, like, it, like it's no big deal. You know what David was doing in Psalm 51? David was looking at his sin as God looked at his sin. Look, we got to get back to viewing sin as God views sin. Look, we're living in a country now that's making light of sin, but sin is still a big deal to God. It's still transgression. It's still iniquity. It's still wicked. It's still evil. It's still an abomination. We must see sin like God sees sin. He was calling out his sin. It was precise. Now that it was personal. In 19 verses, David used 34 pro personal pronouns in 19 verses. You know, he's saying the whole the whole chapter, God, me, my transgressions, my iniquity, I acknowledge. You know what I'm saying? It's all me. It's not man. I wouldn't be doing this if my husband wasn't. I wouldn't be doing this if my wife wasn't. 
Man, if my mama would, no, no, no. God, it's me. It's no more blame shifting. God is all me. And if we're going to get clean, we have to make it personal. It has to be precise. It has to be personal. It has to be proper. Verse number four. Watch this now. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be clear when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You know what he realized? My sin, it wasn't just against Bathsheba. My sin wasn't just against Uriah. My sin wasn't just against that baby that died. Look now, my sin, God, it's against you. We have to have the proper view of sin. Sin is not just against each other. Sin is against God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of what? God. You know, when we start viewing sin like that, we view it in a completely different light. Because if I compare my sin to Brother Brian's sin, I might not be doing that bad. If he compares his to mine, he might not be doing that bad. But when I put my sin next to God, I come short. I, I, I was flying on the way here. You know, it's some, those of you who have been in an airplane before, when you're in an airplane, it really doesn't feel like you're going that fast. It just feels like you're just coasting. And you could be going 300 miles an hour and you're just. But let go, go 85 in your car. You're, boom, you're flying. It, look, it seems like you're going crazy fast. You know why? There's nothing to compare it to when you're in the sky. There's nothing compared to you're just coasting. But when you're down here, you can compare it and you're flying by, flying by, flying by. That's how it is with sin. When we're next to each other, just coasting. But when we put ourselves next to God, it, it looks completely different because it is against God when we're comparing it to him. He's doing it properly. He's looking, my sin is against God. He's acknowledging his sin, but he's even addressing the agony of his sin. Look at verse number three. For I acknowledge my transgressions. You know, here, look, here's the agony of sin. Look at this. My sin is ever before me. I'm saying, God, I took Uriah's wife. She was expecting. I had Uriah killed. The baby has died. And God, this thing will not stop playing in my head. It is ever before me. I cannot get it out of my mind. Look at verse number eight. Verse number eight says, make me to hear joy and gladness. Watch this, that the bones, listen to this, which thou hast broken may rejoice. Saying, God, I'm, I'm in agony right now. Sin will do that to you. Sin will weigh you down and it will agonize you. It's playing ever before him. Sin has now broken him. But then we're going to see the plea of restoration from the saints. The power and condemnation of sin. The prayer and communication with the Savior. But the plea for restoration from the saints. Watch this now. He's going to present a request. He starts off the chapter. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitudes of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David is crying out now for the mercy of God. He is crying out for the grace of God. Mercy is when God withholds judgment from you. Watch this now that you deserve. That's what mercy is. See, grace is when you get something that you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. So it's because of God's grace that I can go to heaven. And it's because of his mercy that I don't die and go to hell because I deserve to go to hell and God didn't give that to me. I don't deserve to go to heaven, but he gave that to me. So David is crying out, God, can you please have mercy upon me? You know what mercy does? Mercy silences the cry for justice. You remember in Genesis chapter number four, 
The Bible says, Cain, the voice of, the, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth out from the ground. You know what it's saying? This must be paid for. Justice is crying. And mercy comes over and says, it's covered. It's paid for. I've covered it. If we're honest this morning, mercy really is not fair. If we're honest. God extends mercy to David. But what about Bathsheba? God extends mercy to David, but what about Uriah? God extends mercy to David, but what about that baby that died? If we're honest this morning, mercy is not fair. But I can stand here and say I thank God for his grace and for his mercy. Because if it were not for his mercy, we'll all be consumed. David is pleading out, God, I need you to show me some mercy. He's presenting a plea. He's pleading, he's requesting God's patience. He's requesting God's purity. Look at verse number seven. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. <laughs> and David is using now in verse number seven. He is taking something that is that was used in the Old Testament. Excuse me. <coughs> he is taking something that was used in the Old Testament for physical cleaning. And he is saying that he needs it for Spiritual cleaning. Now we see hyssop. It is also mentioned in the New Testament, but we also see it a lot in the Old Testament. For example, if someone's house had mold in it in the Old Testament, they would use hyssop to purify it. Do you remember the story of the Passover when God said he was going to send the death angel over Egypt and you are to take the animal's blood and put it around the doorpost. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You know what God told them to do? He said, take a hyssop branch, dip it in the blood and put it over the doorpost. You remember on the, on, in the New Testament when Jesus, he said, I, I thirst, and he was thirsty. He was longing for something to drink, and what happened there? They extended to him vinegar, but how did they get it up to him? They took a hyssop branch and extended it to him while he was there on the cross. So one of the main places that we see hyssop in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament when they were covering it with the blood, and it's in the New Testament at the cross. Can I tell you this morning that one thing that we cannot have, we cannot have God's purity if it were not for the blood of Jesus and the cross. Amen. We could not have access to the holiness and the purity of God. For there is but one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. Only Jesus can clean you. When I, when I was younger, we used to listen to an old song. My mom used to listen to it all the time. And it sounds good, but it's not doctrinal, all right? And it's the old song. I don't know if you heard it, but it used to be a group that used to sing this song called, I Gotta Clean Up What I Messed Up. And they said, oh, that's, the, that's the whole song. I gotta clean up what I messed up. And I said, look, if you're gonna spend your whole life trying to clean up your mess, you're still gonna be in a mess. <laughs> you, you better stop and let God clean you up. Talking about you, better, you gotta clean up what you messed up. You're gonna still be messed up because you have a mess that only God can clean. And regardless of what you've done, you say, well, I didn't do what he did. You still have a mess that only God can clean. He is crying out for God's purity. He is making a request. He's presenting a request, but he's pleading for a revival. We'll just go through this in verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit on me. David just gets right to it. God, this, this is it. I need you to make me over again. I, I've made a mess. I need you to clean me. I need you to fix me. And I need you to make me over again. I'll just go through these. Dr. John Phillips said that in verse number seven of chapter number 51, we find out that sin defiles us. 
In verse number eight, we find out that sin deafens us. We can no longer hear the joy of the Lord. We don't lose our salvation, but you can lose the joy of your salvation. We find out that sin disgraces us in verse number nine. In verse number 10, we find out that sin damages us. In verse number 11, we find out that sin dooms us. In verse number 12, we find out that sin, it depresses us. David is basically saying, God, I'm to the point now to where I can't even enjoy my own salvation because I'm dirty, because I've fallen in sin. And David says, God, can you clean me? You know what God did? He cleaned him. <laughs> Look, this message, this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of hope. The fact that we, when we get dirty, God has the ability to clean us. Can I, can I show you something that I thought was interesting in this chapter? We'll, we'll just close here. Let's start reading in verse number 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. Remember that now. The sacrifices of the Lord, thank you so much. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Did y'all catch that? Let me read it again. Look at verse number 16. For thou desirest not sacrifices, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Verse number 19. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offerings. Huh. One, one verse says, God, you don't even delight in that. You don't even want that. And then the last verse says, then thou shalt be pleased with it. How can something at the beginning not be acceptable then at the end, it is now acceptable. You know what happened? A broken spirit and a contrite heart, oh God. He got clean. And I can't help but think, there are some people in churches all over America that is offering God things. And it's not that he doesn't want it, but he doesn't want it offered with dirty hands. Say, say God, God, I, I, I have a song on my heart. But your hands are dirty, I don't want it. God, you've you given me a sermon. You've given me a message. Can I preach it? Your hands are dirty. I don't want it. God, I have a testimony. Can I, can I share my testimony? Your hands are dirty. I don't want it. God, I have something that I'm offering you. Your hands are dirty. I don't want it. But as soon as you get clean, I'll take it. Look, we don't even like using dirty things. And we think God wants to use dirty. We give forks back at the restaurant because it has water spots on it. We give the glass of water back because it's something black floating and we don't know what it is. We throw our clothes in the dirty hamper when we wear them. And we think God wants us to come to him dirty and say, God, you can use me. No, I don't, you're not clean. I don't want it. But the moment you get clean, God will accept what you've been offering him the whole time. I don't know about you this morning, but one thing that is a desperate cry of my heart it's very simple for me. I just want to be clean. Amen. I just want to be clean. I don't want to spend my life offering God things that he wants, but doesn't want it from dirty hands. I just want to be clean. And David is crying out, God, would you wash me? Would you clean me? Would you purge me? Would you purify me? Would you create in me a clean heart, 
Oh, God. Look, everyone in this room, you can receive a cleaning. You can receive a cleansing, but you have to request it. When's the last time you asked God, God, can you clean me? He's still cleaning, and he can clean you. Hey, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.